Uh, so South Park then, um, dominated of course by the stadium. Uh, Venue-wise, it contains water polo, aquatics, and orbit. Um, so uh, again, a lot of water down here, but a much harder response in terms of the landscape. It does, however, have in it, as you see the term 2012 gardens, what is probably the jewel in the crown in terms of the landscape uh, approach in South Park. Um, North Park, as you've seen, heavily ecologically biased, very naturalistic. Um, South Park, by contrast, um, uh, almost a queue-like response, um, Wisley-esque, as you'll see, and I'll take you through it in a second. And a large, large emphasis on meadows. Uh, in games, there will be annual meadows. And transformation, where uh, Andrew steps in, we will change those to perennial meadows. Um, that's a shot just from last week, from, um, that's one of the helicopter shots actually, from, from, from the ODA, isn't it? I was going to say from orbit, but orbit's below us there in that shot. Um, which shows you the, the stadium, of course, and the, the patination in the South Park. That patination runs through the entire park, and it's evolved from the logo, the 2012 logo, and indeed from the... Uh, the, the shard patterns of the seats within the stadium there, if you see inside, and that sort of jumps from the stadium and comes across the, the path network. Um, we've tried very hard to be careful about selection of materials. Um, the binders for all of the uh, bonded aggregates, which is effectively what it is on a, on a blacktop base, uh, are all vegetable binders, um, recycled cooking oils. Um, where there is some need for some drainage channeling, we've used uh, recycled hospital waste um, products. Some of you may know the product as a filtration system. Um, so we, everywhere we can, we've tried to, to minimize uh, the whole carbon footprint. And, and that particularly, I'll come back to it later, is evidenced by some of the choice of timbers in the seats. So now we come to the Marmite moment, I suppose. <clears throat> yeah, I love it, you hate it. Um, of course, Orbit, um, the Anish Kapoor sculpture in, in South Park. Um, you will be able to access this in games if you pay the Princess Summer £15 for the privilege. And it will take you up um, to pretty much the top level you see there. And then you walk down. They don't give you a, a Koya mat when you get to the top. Um, and it does give you a fantastic view of the park, I have to say. Post-games, actually, I think it's the number of options, but the most favoured one is, is, at the moment, is Restaurant Stroke Cafe um, as part of the transformation programme. Um, some of that lighting you see to the left, um, they, we call those the memory masts. They are uh, halos, if you like, uh, with LED lighting in there um, and some, some uh, Magimix um, turbines on top, uh, which is sufficient to drive to drive the LED lights in, in those seven columns. We also have photovoltaic panels on around about 40% of the park lighting. Again, it's more of a demonstration as opposed to an absolute 100% delivery uh, of sustainable energy, but it's a, it's a point in the right direction. And that's a shot from Orbit um, just last week. Um, and you see the black, bo well, dark grey box on this slide. That's the handball arena. That's actually copper, um, make, uh, not mace, um, make architects 
designed that. Um, completely black or dark brown from the outside, but unique lighting system on the flat roof, which means actually it's almost daylight inside. Uh, there's very little need for uh, artificial lighting. And then just to the left of that is the energy center, which essentially is driving the energy on, on the whole park. <clears throat> so to the, um, the best bit, if you like, in terms of landscape on South Park, um, 2012 gardens. The concept for this and the inspiration is the, the great um, uh, strength of the British in plant collecting. Uh, as a nation, we've, we've uh, traveled the world and brought back plants to the UK um, for a few hundred years now. And so we took that as a starting point and also looked at zonally around the world, areas where the games, of course, have been hosted. So there's a tie back to world event. And as you can see from that simple diagram, if you start with the 1400s, the Mediterranean plant collections through to the Americas, Southern Hemisphere, and indeed finally temperate, temperate Asia, Victorian times. And what we've actually done is, is split a very long um, piece of waterside into four zones, reflecting those four uh, areas of the world, Asia, Southern Hemisphere, America, and Western Europe, and, and set about creating some, some beautiful gardens with plant species from those parts of the world, but also not just bringing them in and going, there we go. Um, it's actually plants that we believe will do well in the UK uh, in terms of climate adaptation going forwards into the future. Uh, so we've had a, a, an eye on that. Um, <clears throat> and um, these will stay, of course. This is the memory of the games. This will be a permanent feature for many, many, many years uh, after the games where we'll all be able to, be able to come and, and promenade through. Um, that's one of our planning shots showing how those might look. Um, I might add in planning terms, people think, well, it's only a four-week event. Um, we have probably endured, that's probably the wrong word as well, but we have, we have uh, enjoyed the process of probably, from, for me, one of the toughest planning uh, systems that you could imagine. Uh, the site sits across four boroughs and, and you could imagine what would happen if you had to go through four different boroughs to get planning permission. So something called the planning decisions team was set up, which is a body that sits outside of the four boroughs, which effectively polices the Olympic design team and gets us ready to face the committees of a joint planning committee. Um, and they have been extremely tough on all the design teams, whether you're a venue designer or you're a landscape architect. Um, and one particular instance, which I'll recount to you, is the use of timber. I had a document so thick on FSC and sustainable timbers that we had to adhere to, obviously. That wasn't a problem for us, FSC. Um, not all the seating is bespoke, some of it's catalogue choice. And when we went to planning with our selections, um, they said, well, sorry, we're not happy with FSC. It's not good enough. We want to push the boat here for the Olympics. And we want you to prove full chain of custody from forest, through shipping, through manufacture, and into the park. Um, and when I say that one of the timbers was Kumaru, a Brazilian hardwood, uh, which was FSC'd, um, of course, um, there was quite a 
a journey to go on. Uh, not literally, but it was all done from, from London and, and emails and uh, various form fillings. But we successfully proved, along with the sustainability team at the ODA, that this timber indeed is a sustainable timber for use in furniture. Um, and there is, from the community perspective, um, back in Brazil, a huge amount going back into the local community in terms of schooling and replanting of, of the forests. The same story was not true of um, some timber, which was Iroko and Antiques from a supplier, um, which failed the test. Uh, West African hardwood failed miserably, even though it was FSC'd, it failed the, the full detailed test that we had to give it. So just a piece of information, uh, we found ourselves look, scratching our heads as to find a hardwood that would be sustainable sufficiently to use and we had to talk to that manufacturer and get him to change his complete manufacturing process and timber source. And in fact, we've ended up with um, uh, Rabinia, which is, um, we believe at the present time, the only officially sustainable hardwood uh, in, in Europe, most of which is coming from Hungary. Um, and that passed the tests. So we are dealing in the North Park with Rabinia seats and largely in the south, it's, it's Kumaru. But, um, <clears throat> so back to, the, back to the 2012 gardens. Sorry for that side. So um, Sarah Price, who some of you may know, uh, an up-and-coming uh, garden designer. Not so much up-and-coming anymore. I think she won gold this year at Chelsea. But um, we um, found Sarah, as it were, um, back in 2008 and brought her into our team. And um, a lot of the work that she does, a lot of her inspiration comes from the work of Piet uh, Oudorf, um, the Dutch plantsman. Uh, but we wanted to combine the, again, the English garden movement with the more uh, drift uh, approach and loose approach uh, of the Dutch movement. So you get the inspiration from that group of slides there as to how the gardens might take shape. Um, and that's a shot just taken last week um, of a, a section of the gardens with the strip hedging and a lot of the herbaceous material in the gardens. Um, that shot actually top left shows you what it was like before we started and then the bottom right of course is where we are today. Um, that distance is about 800 metres in length so if you imagine a journey from London Bridge to Tower Bridge that's the length of the 2012 gardens. And there's a shot from last, last summer, in fact, um, that was, um, what was that? That was about four months after planting. Um, the hedges went in pretty much as you see them, um, so instant impact. Uh, it's a line of, uh, uh, what is it? Yeah, liquid amber behind you. Um, screening those, well not really screening, doing their best to screen those ghastly pods that sit on the side of the aquatics building during games. Um, they will come off uh, in, in transformation and you were left with a, a, what will be a beautiful Zaha Hadid uh, piece of architecture. <clears throat> and there's a shot of the same trees just, just last week, some of the seating through there. So you can see it's very, very highly uh, organised and maintained and formalised. There's those liquid ambers from, from last autumn and the planting doing its bit in front of them there last year. And another and it's looking pretty good, I might, I might add, for, for this year. So it, should, it will be full. Uh, we don't anticipate seeing any soil coverage um, this year. 
Talking about the soils, we have no natural topsoils, as you would imagine, given the state of the site. What we did have to do was design eight specific man-made soils for the site to take the different plant communities and, and planting types. Um, there is a modicum of topsoil mixed into one or two of the mixes, but by no means all. Um, and it's largely sand-based and uh, reclaimed material-based mixes, um, uh, heavily designed. Um, through soil science, working with Sheffield to ensure that the germination uh, was, going to, was going to work. A shot of Southern Hemisphere uh, last summer on the Nymphophias, Red Hot Pokers doing well. And these are all shots from the park. This is not catalogue coffee table stuff. This was last summer. So um, we're very, very pleased that. It should do well. And each of the gardens are marked with some plaques in the floor. And these are also attached to um, an app which is being set up through the arts and culture team. So anyone with smartphones will be able to get much more dialogue on the nature of the design of the park plantings and the, uh, the whole ethos of, of why the 2012 gardens are the way they are. Um, and then shot of meadows coming toward the, the end of games. Uh, these are the annual meadows. This was last summer. Um, this one's the, well, <laughs> the nervous and the fun at the same time. Of course, many of you will know that the meadows, annual meadows, would rather be flowering in, in June, um, even May sometimes, certainly from the end of July, but not the end of July and certainly not August. So we work very closely with the um, softworks contractors, and again with Sheffield, to, to kid the planting along a little and through management technique, which essentially is mowing, um, we've been trialling the meadows for two years on the park, cutting them out of their normal cycle to essentially uh, persuade them that uh, come July, August, end of July, we will have a very strong colour to show the world. And this, this in fact was end of July, early August last year. So we know it works. Um, this wet start to this year has left a few people scratching their chins, but it's all, it's all beginning to come through. So. And that again is a, a shot from last summer uh, with that planting doing its stuff. Um, that will be removed after games, as I said. This will be uh, changed for perennial meadows and we'll allow them to go back to their natural uh, processes and we won't interfere with the management after the games. And then the sky at night, as it were, um, South Park just recently, the lighting has only just been tested um, to see if it all is working. Um, a few sustainability points, which I've already covered largely, but the one in the centre is useful, the bridges. Um, all the bridge abutments are uh, gabion basket, but all the fillings are, are the risings in the materials which have been cleaned in the soil hospitals. So all the crushed stone has come out of the soil hospitals and been used on the site. Um, one of the timber I didn't mention uh, in the South Park, which is a nice story for us, um, I said most of it's Kumaru, as I said, but the seats by the canal, um, we've used reclaimed timber from Dutch harbours, um, timber called Basralocus, which is very dense hardwood, and this was just going to be basically trashed burned in Holland and we found out about this and uh, had it turned into seats and, and brought back to, to some, some life if you like.
So all the, um, the seating by the water areas, uh, by and large, is Basra locus. More of the seats, more of the trees, and the big terrace seating. With the lighting, with orbit um, doing its bit. And the cycle of the lights, the reason there's so many shots on there, whether it's, oh, it works better on screen than it does in front of me, actually. You see it goes, does go through a color cycle, as many LED lighting systems do, of course. But it um, works pretty well. <laughs>